0: This podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Vital Smarts.
1: From over 30 years of research, Vital Smarts has found two behaviours that arise when we're faced with a tough conversation. What you might find yourself doing is holding back, not knowing what to say until one day you explode. Vital Smarts will teach you the speak-up skills to be able to talk to almost anyone about almost anything.
0: So visit vitalsmarts.com.au forward slash DSTM for a special listener offer.
1: what point do athletes realise I should not be participating in any shape, way well, or form with this kind of product? At the very least, she's been really
0: stupid, really stupid and really foolish. And unfortunately, it doesn't really matter whether she took it knowingly or not.
1: I think Margaret Fulton really is, our, in many ways, our Julia Child. And Vale, Margaret, and thank you for your amazing contribution. This is not a hygienic issue, OK? But oh, what? Who starts a settings in, like that? In winter shower at night. This is my warning don't fall for the big Netflix, oh you must watch a murder mystery everybody is, yes I know 30 million people did watch it, but don't become 30 million and one, that's my tip I mean the government has
0: clearly got to commit a huge amount of money to solving this problem and of course I recycle, I've become quite manic about dividing my recyclables
1: Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkins
0: Welcome everyone to another wintry episode of Don't Shoot the Messenger. In fact, we're up to episode 94. We're here in my bookshop by Corrie Perkin and I'm with the lady herself. It's lovely to be here so early in the morning and before this, the customers come. On yet another wintry day. We're holding out. We're holding out for spring, Corrie. It's nearly August.
1: I'm starting to see the odd sign. The odd bulb popping up from the grass. Well, Miss Jane has brought in beautiful camellias this morning and, Carol walking the dog the other night, that wonderful smell that hits you, there's Daphne in the air make the most of her potties. She's only out for about three weeks.
0: And we're off to, and we're down to single figures for Footy Classified, which is something <laughs> it's, always, it's always quite exciting, as enjoyable as it is, you know, that you're getting towards the finals. Now, Corrie, we've got a lot to talk about today. Drugs and swimming are on the agenda. You have a fabulous screen. I have a recipe, a very simple recipe that we both enjoyed in our little journey to the Western District of we Victoria did. We had
1: last a road week. We We had a road trip, and we actually um did a little event. We did an event in Hamilton for the lovely gang at the Napier club and uh, we say hello to you and thank you very much ladies for having us and for all the great questions that were fired at us after Christ more well, actually after dinner actually most of them were actually fired at you Carol, because they were about footy. <laughs>
0: It Got a little bit testy about Adam Goods, as I knew it would. And I stayed with my friend Di at her beautiful house in Port Fairy. It, it, the, good Fairy is a weekly good local tip, Corrie. Yeah, it's the most. Be- oh, I think it's the most beautiful town in Victoria. And agree, I agree. Had an absolute ball. A couple of housekeeping matters to attend to. Um, we're going to put that wonderful pepperoni risotto recipe, I the the um, beautiful vegetarian one. I did oh last yours week. last
1: week. Yes, we yep. forgot
0: to do that. Sorry, everybody. Well, it's very simple, but. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, we will... The recipe, in fact, comes from a wonderful book that um, Julie, sister of Anna, from the op shop reminded me is called Italian Kitchen, E-Risotti by Anna Del Conti. I also need to... Um, I need to make a small clarification.
1: Is that an apology, Caroline? Well, I don't believe
0: I <laughs> besmirched in any way the character of Bill Hodges. Bill Hodges is standing for the Melbourne Cricket Club election and we talked, uh, we talked Two a couple weeks of weeks ago, ago I think, yeah. about I think I might have mentioned the word bad behaviour in terms of the forthcoming Melbourne Cricket Club but election. But not in the
1: same sentence as Bill Hodges, though.
0: Did you no no no? no and I, I there was absolutely no suggestion at all that Bill Hodges, who is one of the, he's a businessman, a successful finance man,
1: and a candidate
0: for and the a candidate for the board, MCC right. and and a disability advocate, he's been a wonderful um, supporter of the. I mean, he's at the MCC. He certainly votes with his feet. And that's what I found out again on Saturday when I actually ran into Bill and he um, pointed out that I had made a comment about... There was an article in The Age that there'd been a stern warning from the Melbourne Cricket Club about electioneering. Um, It was... I didn't mention who it was to. It was that there are three new candidates and certainly Bill has promised to um, invoke a lack of transparency about uh, vacant positions... um, in vacant positions on the committee when they're filled. And um, I'm not saying that he was a person being warned. I'm not saying
1: there was any bad behaviour by him, and I wish him all the best. But we thank Bill for his comments and for getting in touch with us so we could have this clarification... Caro. Yes. And all the best for the election, Bill.
0: Which is sort of pretty much almost
1: over. As we're going to air. Yeah.
0: But anyway, so sorry about that, Bill. And I know a lot of your friends thought I was talking about you, but I wasn't. Now, Corrie, first things first, final results of the July challenge.
1: Okay. The July challenge, Caro. uh, I can only judge this by the fact that I have deleted Facebook off my... uh, um, not entirely because you actually can't do that it's rather difficult I've deleted it off my phone so I haven't been looking at Facebook because that's my go-to I never really look at it when I'm on an iPad or anything so I haven't been Facebooking in this month pretty much the whole time and the Instagram uh, I took a measure the first week of July uh, for the which was actually the last week of June I was doing an average of 19 minutes a day. Sometimes it was way more than that, sometimes a bit less, and now I'm down to 17 minutes, which I know is not a huge drop <laughs> before you look over your glasses at me like I'm just insane, but it's big. It is big, okay? So I do have a business. I do run my I get a lot of coverage from our books Instagram, which if anybody wants to jump on board, it's my bookshop by cp a really good instagram account uh i have to say because we are right on the money with the latest books that are in and all that kind of stuff you're not here to plug social media you're here to talk about i know but i thought i did really well so i'm going down but but my intention is to continue this party so it's not just like i'm going to you know do this and now go back to my old bad ways i'm it's it's now ingrained in my life and um Drinking, you're back on the grog I saw in Hamilton the other well, night. Well, it was a
0: big event, Corrie. Look, I, clearly I didn't complete Dry July with distinction. I haven't had a drink again, though, since Thursday. Saturday night. Didn't you drink in Adelaide? No, oh, I did. I had one glass of champagne. No, I, I added it up though. I've had I had twelve drinks I had a over feeling July. you might have had. I,
1: I had, had a feeling you it was might.
0: a big day. I had to make a speech to a room full of people at David. Coshy's I know, and Koshi
1: was there as if he would have been saying, "Oh, come on, dried to July." Bulldust, I, had, I had a glass Caroline. of champagne
0: after my speech. I've had 12 drinks for the month of July, which is I, – I, that's obviously – So it's not, one every, what, three days or something. Yeah, that's not many drinks. So I was pretty happy with that, even though I didn't complete it. But in happier news, my olives oh. are at the drying stage. I'm getting back to the June challenge now. They've been over seven or eight weeks. They've been sitting in water, then brine with a bit of rock salt. Now – then I set them for 24 hours in brown vinegar – And now I've drained them out of the brown vinegar and they're drying. And tonight I do another brine, which is made up of 100 mils of vinegar, lots of water and a bit of salt and a bay leaf. And... You pour the hot brine over the olives with a tablespoon of oil. And then I read the end of the recipe. Leave for six months. I went, no, 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 no. They taste fine already. Oh my God, is this worth it? I'm going to leave. Isn't le- it easy know, to just th- go to the mel- Victoria
1: Market and buy some? If
0: it works, I, it is going to be a much bigger production next year. They certainly taste very nice. And I think I might do just a week in this new hot brine and then just sit them in olive oil. So very excited oh, about my what, olives. I there's going to be a
1: party when those olives are ready for eating. What's your August challenge, Corrie? My August challenge is to take up yoga, Caro. Good yeah. But you already do yoga. Well I've done a couple of classes and uh, but I'm I'm feeling a little bit out of my depth when Suddenly there's the gentle call for Warrior One or Child's Pose or Child's Pose is easy, or, that's when you relax. Yeah, I like <laughs> I'm very happy with child's pose. I quite like happy baby too. But downward facing dog. So I'm so busy looking around and seeing what so what I want to do is in August I want to go regularly to yoga classes. And by the end of August, I want to be au fait with these terms and feeling much better. I really feel I was going to take up meditation because my brain is chatter, chatter, chattering, but I realised logistically I can't fit it in at the moment. Well, yoga is multitasking
0: because you're sort of meditating while you're doing something else. Well, that's what I thought
1: too. And I thought let's just do baby steps first. Let's go to yoga once or twice a week, but really lock it in. So that's my August challenge to just go to yoga and actually start doing it and fitting it into my life. So that's my challenge. What's yours?
0: Well, mine is food-related, and I know it's an oldie bit of goodie, but having been to Port Ferry and Hamilton and had such beautiful cakes and home-cooked meals at both the home of Di and our friend Jen and your quasi-relative, Jen.
1: Not quasi, total relative. Well, Through by, marriage. By marriage, yes. <laughs>
0: um, I, and I know we've done this before, but on Sunday afternoon, I had an afternoon of spring cleaning. Winter cleaning. But so what's that got to do with food? Because I resorted all my cookbooks and I moved them around and I color coded them in a different way and I moved them to different shelves, easier shelves where they're easier to reach. And I went, right, this is the month. This is the month that I'm going to cook a recipe out of as many cookbooks as I can for. So I'm going to do, I'm aiming for three a week.
1: Oh my lordy! Out of old cookbooks that I've used for ages. I don't want you ages. to completely take over BSF. The F component there, because then I'll feel left no, out.
0: No, because you're you're a wonderful cook. But today, but we can jump in this week and find out what you've done when we talk about the August challenge. Exactly. And my recipe um, that I'm going to reveal today is a really simple one, and it's one we ate in Hamilton. The oh, Jen made. At Jen's house. It How is clever. the most beautiful apple and raspberry cake that I've actually got at home. So I'm going to. We're going to do... That's my recipe for today. So that's my August challenge, Corrie.
1: Okay, that sounds good, Carol. Now, we're going to run through a couple of topics, and I'm interested in your thoughts. Firstly, on the Shayna Jack drugs in swimming scandal. Earlier this week, the ABC reported that Shana Jack actually posted on Instagram last December her with a sports supplement powder a bit like an ad at what point does the message get through from somebody like swimming australia or an organization or indeed going back to the essen and drug scandal of a few years ago the afl at what point do athletes realize i should not be participating in any shape, way or form with
0: this kind of product. Well, clearly the plot is thickened because there's a suggestion now that she might have been caught up in something wider. Yes. Maybe she was part of a supplement program. And I'm I'm reluctant to use the two words, Stephen Dank, who should never be mentioned on any social media or wider media. Again, he's such a disgrace. But look,
1: she is... Just on that, though, the Swimming Australia CEO, Lee... Uh, what's her name, Lee Russell, uh, Russell. she was saying that, look, the reason we didn't come out publicly about the Shana Jack uh, investigation at the time of the South Korean, you know, the World Swimming Championships is because we are looking into this matter. But I'm not sure, is that the right way to go about these things, particularly when you've got such a high-profile international swimming meet as this?
0: Well, they're they're talking about revising their um, agreement with Assad or where they don't talk about something... It's embarrassing. What Lee certainly should have done was been at the pool on the last night when one of Australia's best-known swimmers had to cop the flak and answer all the questions, Kate Campbell, about drugs. Obviously, she said she put her head in her hands when Mac Horton took the stand against the Chinese swimmer. Uh, Look, I just think that this is terribly embarrassing for Swimming Australia. Obviously, Shana Jack is denying it. They always deny it. They always deny it. I'm not saying she's not innocent or that she's, she's not innocent. She's tested positive, but I'm not whether saying there was that,
1: some skullduggery or something at play. Oh, I'm not,
0: she might have unknowingly taken yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So at the very least, she's been really stupid, really stupid and really foolish. And unfortunately, it doesn't really matter whether she took it knowingly or not.
1: It was system. She,
0: she is facing a, a decent ban.
1: And the and, drug involved is ligandrol, which is known for its Bulking properties and, it's and dangerous. bodybuilders. It's also use
0: dangerous. It. it hasn't been passed medically, and it can lead to quite serious issues with various organs, including where, the liver.
1: But whether you know you've taken it deliberately, taken it, or unknowingly, and you've been the victim of some terrible crime, the fact is that you've got an advantage in the pool, haven't you? Yeah, and she hasn't it's really been a about. victim of
0: a crime. I, look, I, I just think that this is. It's embarrassing for Swimming Australia. There were five or six positive drug tests leading into these world championships. Only one from Australia. I don't think it makes Meg Horton look foolish. He didn't know. No,
1: two separate incidents, he's, I say.
0: Yeah, he's, he's standing up against a guy who is in the middle of an appeal, an investigation by FINA, and he was allowed to swim while the investigation is going on. So while I'm on the subject, though, it does seem extraordinary that Sam Murray, the Collingwood footballer who tested positive to a banned substance around this time last year, still doesn't have his B sample. And yet Shayna Jack got really? her B sample within... Weeks or, What's day, or days. What's going on with
1: it? That would be a SATA's prop fault there? Or?
0: I've got no idea. It's a bureaucratic bungling of the highest order, but he's already served a year of his ban, so it, it will count as part of his ban. Now, Corrie, you're holding a book by one of our favourites. In fact, this oh. is the one that sort of relaunched her to fame, isn't it, Margaret Fulton, exactly. who died so, last week. So
1: I just wanted to pay tribute to Margaret Fulton. Caro, I don't know about you, but I grew up eating... Margaret Fulton and then as a young cook, probably about 15 or 16 I started cooking out of my mother's old Paul Hamlin I reckon it would have been about 1968 or 1970, around about that time. Certainly the font looks like it's a 1970 cookbook. But I used to go through my mother's cookbook. And this revised edition, Carol, which came out a couple of years ago, and we're in the bookshop, so lo and behold, there it was in the shelf here, um, is, is all her old recipes plus a couple of the new. But what I love at the front is there's a really beautiful photograph of Margaret, her daughter, and two granddaughters. Her daughter, Suzanne, no slouch in the kitchen herself. And the two of them have actually written books in the past together. Margaret wrote over 20 cookbooks, by the way. But her two granddaughters, Kate and Louise, also are great cooks as well. Yeah, they, they, they're in the media a lot, aren't they? They are. And I just love the fact that there's been this kind of like passing down of the baton. But I was looking through this, Caro, and gosh, the memories come back. The lemon melting moments, even though my mother has a great recipe, which was her grandmother's. Uh, I do remember distinctly as a kid going to the Melting Moments recipe in the Margaret Fulton cookbook. The other one I cooked uh, as a young bride, the pavlova, which was is foolproof, I have to tell you. And then another one I saw was the cinnamon tea cake, because when you're 16, you know, you don't want to do kind of always fancy stuff. So you just yeah. do the warm tea cake. Oh, with tea the cake, was the smell of tea cake in a house. But if we think about Margaret Fulton, she really was the first of the celebrity chefs, which is an interesting week to be talking about celebrity. Chefs. But Georgie Play, in a really lovely obit in the Fairfax media, said that Margaret Fulton, one of the mothers of Australian cookery, um and said her genius, her business model, if you like, was to introduce Australians to the great recipes of the world in a way that didn't scare or patronise. And then the other thing that Jill points out too, Carol, is that Margaret was very happy to have um, filet de boeuf en croûte. You know, this beautiful sort of wonderful beef recipe next to tuna macaroni, which you know mums could yep. cook at home. Yep. So I loved that, and she never made you feel like you were a lesser cook because you couldn't do a bechamel sauce or anything like that. Well, and- she was one of the first. TV chefs wasn't she? I mean she absolutely her long was. running partnership with the
0: women's Australian Women's Weekly. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right.
0: It was it was quite unbelievable. So she was on all their ads on TV and her recipes were
1: And I remember when she was on to. Masterchef about 6 or 7 years ago they brought her in to with to guest judge something. There was a standing ovation, even the cast and crew. I thought George Columbara, speak of the devil, was going to burst out in tears. You know, there was just such an aura about Margaret. She was so gracious. So I really think that in a way that we talked about Julia Child last week, her impact on American cooking, I think Margaret Fulton really is, our, in many ways, our Julia Child. And Vale, Margaret, and thank you for your amazing contribution. But the MasterChef saga, well, she, uh, continues. He did, yeah,
0: she did invent the celebrity chef and i do hope that they replace at least one of those george
1: uh, matt and gary with a woman because well the- poe apparently has got the gig so pose Poe's locked in and then they will be they think it, they're, they're talking about who it might be beside her but there is a rumor Carol, that george gary and matt preston are going to they've formed their own company i think they're calling it ggm and they're going to come up with a product that they may try and flog to Netflix or someone else like that. But could Master Chef Channel Ten survive without the guys? Well, look, who will know? Well I'll be happy
0: not to have three blokes looking at people and yelling at them. And I'm sorry, but over the finals, because of all the articles that had come the revelations that George's underpayment of to his Staff had actually been closer to eight million than two million it was a bit hard to take anything he said seriously and that was a real problem for MasterChef. and little, little did we know that going on behind the scenes was this battle where well they eventually came to the party on the money but channel ten wanted to own the three yeah, of them that's for an ex- right. it came down to three or four months
1: extra work that's yeah. what the battle
0: well not even extra work um
1: we'll just to have them on call though so yeah, they were so they yeah, but so to they, they, couldn't. Find, yeah they, they couldn't could do other do
0: other stuff now I'm, I'm not sure exactly how much money was involved, but the money was pretty good. Um, it's interesting that each of them has... each Every one of them has a different manager. So it was the three blokes and the three managers doing this negotiation and that they've all stuck together. But my belief or, and my opinion is that if I was George even though he says he was in company you know it was part of it wasn't his call he was in a company with other partners who had done this underpayment and they were the ones who self report reported blah 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 he's just got to disappear for a year we don't you can't
1: either disappear go away. or donate your first year of your new, your new wages whether it's with Netflix or Stan or whatever it's with donate your wages donate your wages to all of the workers go away go,
0: do you think no no away? no just maintain a low profile work on what you're going to do next and then come back via a tell-all interview with Neil Mitchell, which is what generally
1: happens here in Melbourne anyway. (laughs) Well, it's true. That's exactly what happened. You should should be a media advisor. It's very good advice. Um, Look, I just want to ask you, before we go on to BSF crushes and all of the other stuff, I did want to ask you about this amazing moment in AFL history of... The caretaker coach, the rise and rise of the caretaker coach. The caretaker coach Coach revolution. This is the most amazing season for incredible... So So these clubs who have ditched their coaches mid-season, I imagine they're all in the process of interviewing people. Meanwhile, their caretaker coaches are winning, winning, winning. Uh, They are. And um, Rhys Shaw, the
0: North Melbourne caretaker coach, unlikely though it may seem I'm sure will be announced over the next week or two as North's coach. But I hope they put people in around him because he still is very inexperienced. And North's process has not been a process at all.
1: And what about um, Teague at, at Carlton?
0: At Car- well, I still think Carlton haven't given up on the small, very, very small possibility that they could steal your coach, Alistair Clarkson. But he has made such... Hands off our Clarko, Carlton. Well, he, well he, he has vowed to staff and players and other coaches that he's there for the long haul and that... He's asked them to commit as well, so I'd and be amazed. very he... distracting.
1: Look what happened to us on the weekend. So be... just let's stop this silly well, nonsense. I, well, I
0: don't think that's the reason you got beaten. I think you kicked badly for a start. Then you've got the situation at St Kilda where Brett Ratton, who was a caretaker at Carlton all those years ago and got the job, is wooing the St Kilda board. I think he's now the favourite for the St Kilda job. So it's the caretaker coach revolution. And as a talkback caller said to us on 3 AW on Saturday, in grand final week, what the clubs, one of the clubs should do is sack their coach and bring in a caretaker because on numbers, they'll
1: win. Anyway,
0: Corrie, you've got a crush.
1: I do, Carol. This is a rather serious crush and I, I would love potties if they haven't seen it already to just try and uh, look this up on the CNN website or indeed YouTube. My crush of the week is CNN anchor, Victor Blackwell, uh, Victor Blackwell had has had a show on. I think it was on Saturday morning, where he became quite emotional, but restrained. But his restrained emotion was the thing that sent me into tears. He is an African American presenter, and he was talking about President Donald Trump's attack on U.S. Uh, the uh, Democrat Senator um, or Representative, sorry, Elijah Cummings highly regarded, eminent politician over many years really admired on both sides of the House. And Donald Trump in his tweets discuss, discussed a larger Cummings area of Baltimore as disgusting rat and rodent infested mess. Now the issue, this has gone off like you wouldn't believe, this issue in the States and I'm sure people have been um, reading this and of course the President continued to tweet over the weekend. And Blackwell just said Donald Trump has tweeted more than 43,000 times. He's insulted thousands of people, many different types of people, but when he tweets about infestation, it's about black and brown people. And it's absolutely true that this is... He, he referred to... In, go back to your infested places when he was talking about the four-coloured congresswoman a couple of weeks ago. Uh, anyway, point of story is that as uh, as... Victor Blackwell came to the end of his speech. He became very teary and he said, Mr. President, I grew up in Baltimore. I grew up in this area. There are decent families, decent people who live here. How could you? And I thought it was just about the most moving, powerful statement that's been said about Donald Trump's racism in recent times. I think, you know, full full, full bow to you. And my, my then my segue into that, Carol, because you're about to ask me what I'm grumpy about, is actually <laughs> Donald Donald Trump's. Attitudes toward toward African Americans. He is blatantly racist. It drives me insane, and that's what I'm grumpy about. So, all in all, it's been a really big weekend <laughs> listening, listening and watching American television for me. Now, BSF Carrow Hello to Vital Smarts. Our BSF sponsors. is
0: book, screen, and food. Corrie. and yes, it is brought to us by our sponsor, Vital Smarts. Let's face it, Corrie, we've all been in a situation where our emotions have controlled the conversation. We yes, say Donald something, Donald
1: Trump and Cory Birken.
0: We say something we don't truly mean, and we do. And I what do we do say Donald. lands badly. By learning real speak up skills, you will be able to control the tough conversations and have them go well. Visit Vital Smarts, Corrie. That's vitalsmarts.com.au dot au forward slash D-S-T-M to find out more. Now, I'm going to kick off with The Ditch. It's the new book by Herman Kosh. It's a follower... Who wrote The Dinner. Who wrote The Dinner, who wrote Summer House with Swimming Pool. Look, I'm not saying ditch the ditch, but... I am saying it's not. It, it, it's an intriguing read, like all his books are. I find the translation of these Dutch books really interesting, and of course, the dinner was the first one. He'd written other novels, which I've now read, but that was the first one that he, he translated. This is a story about the mayor of Amsterdam. If you're inter- if you've been to Amsterdam, you're interested in Amsterdam as I am. I loved it. I love the Amsterdam stuff, but. It's about a man who's becoming increasingly paranoid. And it's very hard to delineate as the reader and that's the idea what's real and what's not. Why Which
1: is how Herman Koch likes to present his story. Yes, although- I started this book and I gave it up, Carol, so his paranoia at the beginning was about whether his wife was having an affair.
0: With, a, with one of the
1: aldermen. Yeah. There's
0: also a situation where his father tells him very early in the book that he and his mother are going to end their lives. And that goes really strangely. He has a best friend, a famous scientist who's now living in the States and a great mate of Stephen Hawking who finds out that he has an issue. He has a daughter and... Her character's never really developed. I think the problem for me is that Herman launches too much into the metaphysical. He goes off on these rants about windmills and recycling, a big topic in Melbourne here as we speak because of the recycling crisis, but, and, and, and about cities and um, other characters come in, famous people like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, but I just think it goes off on a tangent too often and too, too many of the characters are underdeveloped, but... I still read it and I still enjoyed it, but I, wouldn't, I, I would read The Dinner before I read that.
1: I think The Dinner is one of the best book club books that we've ever had in the shop. It came out, what, about seven or eight years ago. I would rec- be recommending that if people are looking for the good, amazing read yeah, and Loved too,
0: it. too much metaphysical ranting for mine in the ditch. Now, Corey, you've been watching Murder Mystery.
1: I have Murder Mystery on Netflix. This is it definitely Netflix Netflix. It is definitely okay. Netflix. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody. Thirty million people who subscribe to Netflix actually watch this movie on its opening weekend. It stars Adam Sandler. It was produced by Adam Sandler. Jennifer Aniston is his co star, and it is just rubbish. It is oh. Just oh. shocking, Adam Sandler. What were you thinking? I never much liked Adam Sandler. I wasn't a big fan of the wedding singer, I have to say. And as for that sport one, what was he? Not a golfer, yeah, golfer. Happy, no, yeah. Happy Gilmore. Oh, blah. I quite liked Happy Gilmore.
0: No, and I like, can't stand yeah, no,
1: him. no. I, he's had and a that one of good with Drew films. Barrymore where she loses her memory and she wakes up every day and it's a new day. I mean, there were sweet moments in that, but honestly, he's such a yawn, Adam Sandler. And Jennifer, is it, Aniston, a, is it a murder who, mystery? Yeah, it's a murder mystery. Is it a but drama? It's a comedy. It's a comedy murder mystery. Ah. Uh, and it's it, uh, uh, Cara. The cast is amazing. I mean, when when um, Terence Stamp arrives as the very wealthy English lord who gets knocked off by so there's a gathering on a boat. I'm not going to tell you how Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston get there, but they're a New York couple who are on a, hun- a delayed honeymoon. Ten years later, and uh, there's a bit of agitation in the marriage. Which you can, if you want to see this film, you can sort of William Powell, alloy, the Thin Man oh, series. That oh, sort of idea. not even a shadow of that. But there are a they couple, couple of super even go In the same room as them. No, no, no. It's yeah. They and they end up. They end up meeting a, a wealthy Englishman on an aeroplane. He says, "Come with me." My my uncle is taking a boat out. We'd love you to join us, and of course, there are various family members and other odd bods. And never, there's never a leave land. That's there's a murder. <laughs> <that's a very laughs> it's good, a murder on the boat. Never oh, go. That's unusual. Never but, go to a party. But you honestly, Terence Stamp arrives. I was just blown away. And then David Williams, the British comedian, who has a very brief. Part in this, but is quite. He looks like he's he's, he looks like he's drinking whiskey at the start, and you're thinking, David Williams, what are you doing there? Five minutes later, he's still drinking whiskey. I'm going pull pull up. Can I pull up a chair? I want to sit with you. This is boring. (laughs) I agree with you, David. What are you doing here? It's shocking. It is shocking. So everybody, this is my warning. Don't fall for the big Netflix. Oh, you must watch a murder mystery. Everybody is. Yes, I know. Thirty million people did watch it, but don't become thirty million and one. That's my tip. Well, I'm on my 30-day free trial on Stan,
0: and I've just—I'm up to Love speed Stan. now on the loudest voice. Yeah, I watched episode five on Sunday, four and five on Sunday. Oh my lord! You must be—your blood must be boiling because Donald Trump's starting to enter the story mm, now.
1: Exactly The story right. of
0: Roger Ailes, the Fox News. Oh, it, it's just so chilling. It's actually a bit creepy. It
1: is. It's really creepy, and and as we know, Russell Crowe. Had enormous difficulty apparently with some of those scenes where he is sexually predatory against younger women. Oh. He himself actually he's he's been quoted as saying he found it very difficult. As imagine I can what imagine, it must be like for the women who can't,
0: still oh, can't talk to legal agreements.
1: exactly right. Caro, next you have week, um, your food say, recipe. Yeah, go can on. I just
0: say next week we'll have a book and a screen that people might want to want to actually.
1: I eat. think we're, it's a public service, Caro, particularly with murder mystery. Don't watch it now. The apple and raspberry cake, which actually comes out of
0: a cookbook that. Um, my um, son's school actually put out, we all one of those ones, you all contribute recipes, and they're usually the best cookbooks ever because everybody
1: oh, they makes are. an
0: effort to. And all the recipes are tested, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is it's, when it says 15 minutes preparation time, it's true. You know how they say that and it's actually really half an hour. Um, it takes 40 to 45 minutes in the oven. The recipe is going to be on our website. Um, It's actually um, a recipe that was put into the cookbook by an old friend of yours, Alison Minotti. I'll give her a plug. Um, These are the ingredients, just so you know how easy it is. Three Granny Smith apples. Butter, 125 grams melted. One and a half cups of self-raising flour. Not one of those fancy new flours, Corrie. Just
1: <laughs> Like flat. like your daughter has oh, ten of them in I've the cupboard. Eight types with all different <laughs> gradings. You're going to have weevils in summer. Three, Three quarters of
0: a cup of caster sugar. One egg. One teaspoon vanilla. One punnet of raspberries, and serve it with thick cream. This is so easy to to sort of be a bit basic. You you pretty much line a baking tin once you've cooked all the cake ingredients you put in i think it's about two thirds i think it's about that much three quarters three quarters um you push up the sides and then you spread the apple on top and then you scatter the raspberries and then you drop daubs of the remaining mixture on top and then you cook it
1: yeah oh it is isn't it beautiful do you think the setting in which we took this beautiful cake might have had something to do looking with it over a river, there we yeah there we were gum there we gum were trees. at jen and tim's lovely farm looking at that beautiful view and we had afternoon tea it could have had a little bit to do with it Although I'm sure Ali Minotti makes a beautiful cake in her home too, which doesn't have a river view, but this well, was stunning. Well, I'm going to make it It this was week. heaven. I have, I, it's I reckon a great I, recipe. Yeah, I've
0: had it before. I thought, yeah, Jen certainly excelled. But anyway, in fact, Di in Port Ferry made your Lingi apple cake.
1: I've had a couple of people report back on the apple cake. Oh, it's beautiful. And
0: she actually added some sort of caramelised rhubarb as well. Very nice.
1: Yeah, and Francesca made it on the weekend and one of her friends who's a bit of a gourmand said this is the best oh, actually I think it might have been her husband Charlie who's a gourmand said this is the best cake he's ever had so there you go and Jane's
0: tip about not burning the apples was fabulous too now thank you vital smarts globally proven crucial conversations hold tough conversations well you'll find links and details in the show notes Corey, it's time for six quick questions how did Fran Kelly go hosting Q&A last
1: week well I think she did probably about an eight out of ten maybe, uh, but that's not because of Fran's interviewing skills. I think probably the production unit let her down a bit because the panel was a bit lame. Uh, Adam Liao, celebrity chef, uh, was a little bit out of his depth. Tim Costello was great. And, in fact, uh, just to parties who might be interested, Tim Costello's new memoir is out, and he's coming to the bookshop next week. So if you would like to book a ticket, please give us a call at the bookshop. Um, Erica Betts, mm, say no more, and Labor Victorian Senator Kimberly Kitching, who I also felt was a little out of her depth, so it was a bit of a flat night, but I think, Fran, huge potential in this role, and I do hope that they swing it between Melbourne and Sydney as they're talking, because it was good to have Q&A in Melbourne. Fran flew down for the event, uh, and I think she's, uh, she's a fabulous presenter on radio and on TV.
0: Two words, Corey footy classified. You could have turned over and watched me instead,
1: but... Anyway, obviously you didn't. I could have, Caro, but look, I just chose uh, Q&A instead. Sorry about that. As As an
0: aside, we had Jake Stringer on the show this week and he actually has given up social media and he's done so for a year and a half. And he spoke also about his gambling problems and other social problems. And giving up social media seems to have been the key to a much happier life. Oh,
1: that's a tip for me, is it? You're looking again over your specs at me, Caro. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't think you've got. A so we just talked a little bit about Russell Crowe in this uh, in this most excellent series. But what would be your advice to an actor who is given a role or takes on a role of a very big fat person? Would you be saying put the weight on or do the fat suit?
0: Well, clearly for health reasons, you're better off to wear a fat suit than Christian Bale did when he played Dick Cheney. His absolutely brilliant, brilliant performance of Dick Cheney in Vice that. Oscar-nominated movie last year. Um, but for in the for um, reasons of art and artistic reality, I thought Christian Bale was so much more authentic than Russell Crowe. I mean, that sort of skullcap thing he's got on his head, to me, just occasionally you can't take your eyes off it, and I think that's a problem. And he sort of walks unnaturally almost. Mm. I know people who are very overweight might walk like that, but it looks to me as slightly unnatural. So although it would have been better, I think he put on a bit of weight, but he's clearly wearing a fat suit. He's clearly got a skull cap on, and I think Christian Bale was more authentic.
1: My feeling with the walk is that he thinks he probably has to walk like that caro a bit doddery, whereas if you see big, tall men or or overweight men, they often walk just kind of normally. They're just very big, solid bills, and I think probably something's got into Russell's head that he feels he has to waddle a bit like the penguin in Batman. He's a a good performer, but... Yeah, Christian Trump, I reckon. Not that it's a competition. Comparisons
0: are odious. Now, how excited are you about Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood?
1: I'm so excited. As you know, I don't go to many movies, Carol. I'm dialing in the new Quentin Tarantino movie, which in its first weekend, last weekend, it grossed $40 US just in one weekend alone, which is incredible. I love Quentin Tarantino movies. I hate horror and I hate killing and I hate all that. But gosh, Reservoir Dogs... Pulp Fiction, Kill
0: Inglourious, Bill glorious Bastards, I loved it but, but
1: Kill Bill 1 and 2, my family is Still reeling from the fact that I adored those Movies, it's very not me to love Kill Bill. It's got Bill. a great cast hasn't it oh, I, a, This cast is cast. amazing So Margot Robbie joins Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt It's set in 1969 Los Angeles which Quentin Tarantino's View is that this is the, the Last of the great golden era The last year and it was, the whole Lead up is to the Manson Uh, the Charles Manson murder of Sharon Tate and her her cohorts and uh, the two characters, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt Who are made up characters, actually one of them Lives next door to Roman Polanski And Sharon Tate's home, hence the Connection with the Mansons. It's been so, criticised
0: For downplaying Sharon Tate's and, and, and all the women characters, but They say that the Margot Robbie performance Is fabulous and incredibly Although boutique, incredibly impressive
1: Well, it's and also supposed to be very Gory as well. Anyway, can't wait For that one, Caro. Now, I Wanted to ask you about recycling. You mentioned It a minute ago. To what extent are you recycling given this terrible crisis that's hit Melbourne well
0: according to my children not nearly enough i'm sitting here drinking a coffee in a cup that is not a keep cup and i know that's bad and i should stop using the lids i'm very i feel bad about it i'm really worried about i mean the government has clearly got to commit a huge amount of money to solving this problem and of course i recycle i've become quite manic about dividing my recyclables and otherwise and I notice in all the offices I go into now they are too. So I can't imagine how bad it's gonna be when everything just goes into landfill. I I'm know. not quite
1: sure And do you know what we need, Carol, spending time with the country folk and also Francesca and Charlie who have chooks. That third recycling thing that you put the scraps in food for the chooks. What a great idea that is!
0: Yeah, I've I, I've always been a bit of a composter, but that's something I need to get, get back into. Anyway, yep. That I think that's that's going to be almost a top order priority. I reckon for this state government. Well, maybe we should government. make it our overarching challenge for the next six months. Perhaps. What are you most looking forward to in August? One
1: word: poll duck. <laughs> oh, really. Is it back? It's the it last will series. Be. Well, according to my notes, unless I have stuffed this up, which as potties know, I'm rather unreliable in this uh, area, Saturday, August 17th on the ABC, Poldark returns for its fifth and final series, Caro. We were in Cornwall when they were promoting it. I I'm know. Elizabeth has died. Her foul husband, what's his name, is just you know, trying to work out how on earth he can knock Ross Polduck off his off his tower. Um the children are all growing up, which is interesting. What is the name of Elizabeth's husband? Oh George. Of course how could I forget Warlegan. is it Warlegan? George Warleggan? There's the um anyway, can't wait. That's most yeah, I'm well, looking forward to Well the too.
0: books go on and on and on and the and generations. Poldark's long gone by the time the books progress, so it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. I just want to know when the Queen's coming. It was meant to be March. There's been oh, some look, terrible I'll do some, post-production I'll do some research problems. there. Now, Caro, what's your GLT?
1: Well,
0: look, look, it's another one from the Channel Nine makeup girls.
1: <laughs> look, they are they on our payroll? This is
0: going to don't. This is not a hygienic issue, okay? But oh, what? Who starts a sentence in, like that? In winter, shower at night. That uh, I reckon I do. It comes. You down. I have a bath at night, most well, night. Bath or shower helps You're, you sleep. Well, this this started because. Um, but
1: why do you need the channel night? Well, well, because you, know, you to you've got. A, I could
0: have told you. Well, that. this began because you got a whole lot of makeup on, and you have your make. We all used to have our makeup taken off when Gary Lyon hosted the show because he had his makeup taken off. And after a year or two, I was like, "Well, hang on, why can't I get my makeup taken off?" And then, look, now we no longer get our makeup taken off. We take our own makeup off. Christina, who used to work at Channel 9. You've still got
1: your sweet little eyelashes on Christina
0: Simeone, yeah, um, she said to me many years ago, I don't know how you can, even with your makeup taken off in here, how you can not have a shower because you really need a proper shower to get all the makeup off.
1: Yeah, and also I I, I would imagine under stress, not that uh, you're unflappable, but I would get a bit sweaty and a bit hot under the lights, occasionally no. a bit nervous. You know,
0: I'm always freezing, you know that. I'm always cold. But anyway, in fact I, I wish I could do the show in a rug, I'm always so cold. I've started having a shower every night and you sleep so I mean I've always slept, I'm a good sleeper, but I can you sleep so I can much vouch better for that. Anyway, it's a bit of a boring one, but it's something people do every day, so I hope they take it on board. Now, that How is, original are you? That is Don't Shoot the Messenger for this week. Please tell your friends and family to subscribe to our podcast. Send us your feedback, your comments, your tips, and your suggestions to the Don't Shoot
1: the Messenger Facebook page. And don't forget, if you want to come and listen to Tim Costello at the bookshop, just give us a ring, nine eight two four two nine nine zero. And you can follow us, Corrie, on Instagram at
0: Don't Shoot Pod. We tweet, just join at Don't Shoot Pod. And you can email us, feedback at dontshootpod.com.au. And Corrie, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger.